When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. Tom Schreier couldn't be here today, but that's okay. We got our friend Ryan Hickey, the co-host of the Blue Horseshoe. That's an Odyssey Brother podcast. They cover the Colts. We cover the Vikings. The Vikings and the Colts play this week on national television. So I think me and Ryan were shooting the breeze before we started pitching record. The NFL can't get enough of the Colts over the past couple of months, it, it seems. Um, it's like a car crash. People can't turn away, right? I guess that's a good point, Dane, because I'm just trying to sit there and wonder, like, all right, you have a Monday night game, another Monday night game coming up here in a few weeks, a Sunday night game. It's like, please get them off. And like you're right, maybe that's the reason why they flex them in a Saturday because it's just so bad. People want to watch a bad team. How, how has this season been, right? Because – from a from a thirty thousand foot view perspective, like from an outsider's perspective, the the Jeff Saturday news couldn't have come out of left field more. Like was that how it was in the echo chamber that is Indianapolis in the Colts beat? Like was that a surprise to you guys just as much as it was to I think nationally? Shocking. Like we we had a I guess an idea or an inkling that um, Frank Reich would be fired. Uh, like, right. At least both myself and George thought, okay, it's not his fault. So we didn't at least anticipate the firing coming after the New England game, which I believe was week number nine. But it wasn't like exactly like a total surprise. But the entire emergency pod we did after that was was just on Jeff Saturday alone. And basically, like you almost forgot Frank Reich was fired because the hiring was so crazy out of left field surprising that it trumped anything in terms of Frank Reich, you know, actually getting fired. Was it a good move or not? That – was so bizarre. So I still can't, you know, as we're sitting here as he's done four games or coached four games, it still makes no sense, Dean, but that was as shocked as you guys were. I think it was maybe even tenfold uh, in Indy. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause like on one hand, like Frank Reich's hiring or firing was surprising in and of itself for me. And then I forgot it even happened because like, bang, Jeff Saturday's the coach. Like how, how has he performed? over the over the last month in in your opinion i i know there was you know, he wanted that timeout back um a couple of weeks yeah. ago um kind of came out and said it after the game um that he wouldn't do anything different than a day later said he would like how 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 do you think he's handled the transition from like high school football coach espn analyst to nfl football coach coaching every sunday it's tough to answer that, Dave, because in one aspect, he has done a lot better than I ever anticipated. And just Parker's, like I said, his experience is basically zero. Yeah. That it's like, I had no idea what to expect. I thought he outcoached Joshua Daniels in his first game when they beat the mm-hmm. Raiders. And even the next game they played Philly, Colts were in that game in the leading, you know, most of it before Philly did come back late in the game and win. So it's like for the first two games, at least until that Pittsburgh game on Monday in week three, or this, excuse me, his third game as a head coach, mm-hmm. that you kind of said like to the two minute uh, debacle and the timeout usage or lack thereof. That was really the first moment where it's like, wow, this guy, you know, really had a, a bad blunder, but it took three games. So in one aspect, it's like, okay, that's pretty good considering his experience. So overall, 
with expectations basically being as low as they possibly could, I would say better than anticipated. But also with that said, Dane, the tough part is I don't really know what he's doing. Like when you bring in a guy outside, he's not picking coordinators. Like he's not changing the the play calls or changing the offensive defensive schemes. He basically just kind of keeping things going. So it's tough to even evaluate from a head coach perspective, how well the job he's doing, because there wasn't much for him to change. Like outside of the Colts getting off to a little bit faster start, like that was a notorious thing this year. Frank Reich, they were one of the worst first half teams in all the NFL. Mm -hmm. We got off to a little bit better start. But myself and, and my co-host, George Bremer, the thing we kept harping on was just the Colts are losing and they're one in three in his four games. They're losing the same ways that when Frank Reich was there. So it's not like he's really changing a lot because the turnovers are still an issue. You know, this, even though they're better in the first half, it's still pretty slow and not great. And it's still like come crunch time. They're still not making plays they need to make in order to win the game. So the Colts overall as a team, for the most part, are pretty much the same, even though the head coach has changed. But so it's, it's tough just because like, we bring guy midway through. He can't put any really fingerprints on it. I guess the biggest thing you say is the offensive line got a little bit better. So that's a bonus. But I guess overall, better than expected because the ball was just so low where it's just like he's at least looking competent, I guess, and not making it a total clown show. For sure. It's weird because the Colts are 4-8-1, and one, like a team that should be irrelevant. But I have so many questions about them. Jeff Saturday. Now I want to ask you about Matt Ryan. He, he was the starter. Then he was the backup. Now he's the starter again. Um, looked like his brain broke in the fourth quarter against Dallas. Like, how, how do you even digest Matt Ryan's season to this point, knowing it's been kind of up and down, starter, backup starter, and looking like it's probably on his last legs for what has been a, a pretty damn good career? You said it. I thought he was going to be a little bit better than he turned out to be. Like, I thought, like, the last, let's say, two years of decline in Atlanta was just because the team around him was so bad that I thought, okay, you come to a better team, a little bit of rejuvenation with a new scene that he'll be, mm-hmm. you know, a top, maybe top 10 quarterback in terms of stats. Maybe not actually like, oh, that's a top 10 guy, but I thought he could put up some good touchdown numbers, passing numbers. So I think he's been a disappointment. The only thing I'll say about Matt Ryan in his defense, a lot, like, he's not alone. Like, the offense line this year has been horrendous. So he's mm-hmm. been getting pressured a ton. He's been getting sacked a lot. Um, especially early on, his receivers, a lot of them were inexperienced. That's on Michael Pittman Jr. So it's like it's a, they got off to a slow start in part because there's so many young guys and new guys trying to fit in. So he definitely, like, there's reasons why they're losing outside of him, but the turnovers, Dan, are just inexcusable. Like, they, they brought him in basically saying he's the anti Carson Wentz. He's going to make good decisions. He's not going to put the ball in harm's way. And the Colts really thought as long as we have basically, for lack of a better word, a game manager, a quarterback, this offense is going to be good enough to where they should win the division, should win 10 games. Um, you see the defense is holding up there into the bargain, but Matt Ryan's turnovers, I mean, guys like triple the amount Carson Wentz has had. So it's just like you bring him in for the main party being good decision-making, taking the layups is what they kept talking about, making easy throws, and it's been anything but. Guys leading the league in fumbles, I think second in interceptions, it's been league leader in turnovers. It's been a mess, Dan, a big disappointment. Do you think that's because he can't do the things that he once could? And you see it a lot of times across sports, not just football. Um, some guys who were great for so long, their body can't do the things that, that they used to, that they used to be able to do. Is it that, or is it just trying to do too much with, with pressure constantly in his face and, and, and weapons kind of going going down around him? For the most part, I'd say it's, a, it's the latter. It's trying to do too much, almost trying to play hero ball a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. Obviously, like he's 37 years old, so his mobility's not there. So when the offense line is caving in, he can't escape. So he's getting hit a lot, and I think that's also sped him up a little bit to where now he's starting to make decisions faster than maybe he should just because he doesn't trust the offensive line. 
And I can't say you blame him because they've not been very good this year. Um, but it's like physically, his arm is still pretty good. Like he can still make some good deep throws. So it's not like mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, the tail end of Ben Roethlisberger's career where it's kind of like, oh, you kind of see like the decline and the arm is not there. But also at the same time, like I, I do think in his own head, he knows he can't get, you know, away from the rush. So that, and also he can't trust the run game, but the Colts were promised him, you know, have a, a top five run game with Jonathan Taylor. They've not been able to establish that. So now it's on his shoulders of throwing the ball a ton more than they anticipated for sure. So I think he almost, he kind of d- is doing what Carson Wentz did last year, which is kind of, Oh, let me play hero ball. Let me like make the big play. And that's leading to turnovers, sacks, fumbles, bad decisions, and a four eight, and one season so far. Has the, the inconsistency of the run game. I know Jonathan Taylor was banged up a little bit mid, early in the season, mid season. Has that surprised you as, has the inconsistency of the run game coupled with, the porousness of the offensive line. Has that been a surprise? Cause I feel like at least from a national perspective, Indy has been, you know, one of the teams that you look at is that's a great offensive line. That's a run game. That's always going to get it done. Absolutely. I mean, this is the highest paid offensive line. You know, there are three <clears throat> core guys in Braden Smith, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly have all regressed this year for sure. More definitely Nelson and Ryan Kelly for sure on the left guard and center position. So, yeah, like that's – I thought you could hang your hat on for sure is running the ball. Like last year, they didn't really trust Carson Wentz to do a lot. So it was still yeah. a predominantly run team. And they still were, I think, number two, number one in terms of team rushing. John Taylor led the league in rushing yards. So it's like they were able to establish a run even when last year everyone knew they are running the ball to have success. Right. So I thought, okay, with Matt Ryan there again making easy throws, that should, the run game should get better. And it's only gotten worse. Like I said, John Taylor being banged up doesn't help. But the offensive line just taking a massive step back. It's weird, Dink, because it is definitely surprising and something that I did not see coming. But yeah. also, at the same time, you look at the two positions that aren't kind of anchors, left tackle and right guard, they're basically Band-Aids. And left tackle especially. They, they put a guy in Matt Pryor who was a perennial backup, and most of the time when he did play was uh, either at right tackle or in a guard position. They thought, yeah, he'll be our left tackle this year, no problem, with a 37-year-old quarterback. As you can imagine, it's been a disaster. So it's like that area a little bit is the only part where it's like a little bit realistic and not surprising that they've sunk this year uh, mm-hmm. because they just completely <clears throat> thought the left tackle position is, I guess, irrelevant in, in some aspects. But for the most part, like Quentin Nelson took a big step back. Rock Kelly took a big step back. Braden Smith took a step back. So it's shocking when you have the amount of money put in and how bad they performed. It's something I didn't see coming. How, how are the fans handling this? Because like Indy in this division looked like at least at the beginning of the year, like it's theirs to win. Yeah. Uh, are fans ready for, for a teardown or for, you know, I, I hesitate to ask that because fans bases generally don't like rebuilds, but are they ready to kind of see something new or how have they handled this season, which has been below expectations I can imagine. Oh, they are ready for some new Dane. Okay. It's I think me and George were in the minority of just like not putting everything on Frank Reich early in the year when people wanted to fire after week one, when they tie the Texans. So kind of the swords have been out for Frank Reich. They're out now for Chris Bauer. They want him fired. I wouldn't say a rebuild per se, but they want a quarterback. And I can't blame them because, I mean, look, ever since Andrew Luck, I know it's been a small step aside. So, and the Colts fans have been, you know, spoiled, my, myself included, as a Colts fan, uh, first and foremost. Like, you had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Yeah. Outside of the Packers, no one else is doing that. And no one else has really had a, a two-decade-long run of sustained great quarterback play. So, there's no violin playing right for Colts fans when you can't figure out a quarterback for let's say the last four or five years. But that said, it, like the band-aids, I will say people are sick of. So that's now really ever since Frank Reich was fired and really ever since they lost to Tennessee the second time in week seven, 
sure. it's been lose every game, tank it up, forget the playoffs. Let's go and get you know a, a real answer at quarterback. So that's the 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 basic basic um the biggest motivation for fans. Like I'll be honest, Dan, like we myself and George now we barely talk about the season at this point. Like yeah. we're gonna do our podcast later or preview later today. Out of the three seconds to do, one will be about the Vikings. It'll be a small one just because, like, people care about the draft, which we're going to do. People care about quarterbacks, head coach. It's like this this season, the last four games, is irrelevant in terms of Colts fans actually caring about winning. It's a good segue. We haven't even talked about the game yet. When we come back, we'll talk about Vikings-Colts at U.S. Bank Stadium, noon on Saturday, national TV. Uh, more on that when we come back. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, joined today by Ryan Hickey. He hosts the Blue Horseshoe. It's an Odyssey Brother podcast. They cover the Colts. Colts, I think Ryan was alluding to at the end of segment one, not a lot to play for over the final month of the regular season. In fact, fans probably want them to put it in reverse, lose final four, yeah. finish 4-12-1, and, and, and get as high of a pick as he can to take C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, whatever quarterback. Will Levis is shooting up boards right now which bodes well for the Vikings because they're licking their wounds after a, a, a road loss to the Lions. Could have locked up the NFC North last week with a win over the Lions. Can lock it up this week with a win over the Colts. Brian, what are you expecting from this game? Because I'm looking at, like, since Jeff Saturday's taken over, you, you, you said, obviously, he outcoached Josh McDaniels in his debut, Colts beat the Raiders. Kept it close with Philly arguably could have won that game lost by one at home bungled the timeout situation against the Steelers. They were, they were in that game. Um, they lost and kept it close against the Cowboys for three quarters. And then Cowboys dropped 33 on their head in the fourth. So what is the Colt? What, what can you expect from the Colts this weekend? Are they still like a motivated bunch who's playing for each other and trying to win games? Or is this kind of in disarray and everyone's just ready for this final month to be over? I think they'll come out motivated, coming out hard to play. Like Jeff Saturday speaking this week about basically how like he's coaching for the job. Like, like he was given the interim job. He's had four games. The bye week, he kind of, I guess, collected his thoughts. And he was asked earlier this week, like, Bisco, are you going to go for the full-time job? He said yes. So he is going all out to win. That's part of the reason why I think Matt Ryan is starting this <clears> week <throat> instead of Sam Ellinger, instead of even Nick Foles, even uh, at quarterback. They're still kind of putting the, the, the big guns out there. So I think they're going to come out hard. They're going to come out motivated to play on Saturday. You're not going to have a, a team that's basically just looking towards the offseason for sure. And, I, like, honestly, I expect a close game, Dean, to be honest. Like, I hope – I'm rooting for the Colts to lose. But with that said, like, I think I, I'm going to pick the Vikings to win. But I think it's going to be one of those close games where we're sitting there in the fourth quarter. It's like, oh, geez, like, it's, you know, Colts are down by three, maybe even up by three. It's like the Vikings got to get it going just because even <clears> in, in Jeff Saturday's time, like, to their credit, the, th- the one thing they have done is played like, I can't say play well because they have not played well this season, but like they've kept things close. I should say sure. closer than maybe they should have been. So at least what you said, like the Eagles game, they, they were right there. The, almost the entire game, uh, the Raiders game, they beat them. So it's like, even in their losses, they're still hanging tough out. You know, the Cowboys game was 21, 19 going to the fourth quarter. And obviously you mentioned it just all hell broke loose, <laughs> but I expect a close game. I expect turnovers from the Colts, which ultimately will be their demise. And I think, Another one possession game for the Vikings is kind of uh, how Saturday will go, which I'm sure, as you guys have seen numerous times this season, looking forward to another sweated out game on Saturday. Yeah, you're predicting a close game. I, too, am predicting a close game because I haven't covered a game that wasn't close yet. Um, Aside from the Monday night game in week two against the Philadelphia Eagles, that game wasn't very close. 
and the 37-point blowout to the Cowboys. That game was not close at all. Uh, every game has been close. Even last week against the Lions, Vikings had a chance um, down the stretch, couldn't make enough plays, ended up losing by two scores. They keep their nine and zero record in score one score games intact. Um, so if it's a if it's a close game, I think that that bodes well for the Vikings. But Vikings fans are just clamoring for for a decisive win. <laughs> like they, the Vikings have signature wins on their schedule. They beat the Bills in, in that game that I think everyone will remember as the game of the year. Um, they beat the Patriots on on Thanksgiving night. That. It's a win. You know, I know the Patriots are down this year, but anytime you beat Belichick, I think you can notch that one in the belt. They beat the Jets, who are a better team than I think any of us expected. But they have not just from start to finish blown the doors off of a team yet. And I think Vikings fans are hoping they can do that this week against the Colts. But to your point, the Colts have played close games as of late. Jeff Saturday has them playing at least motivated for, for prolonged stretches. And I think the Colts are going to be able to move the ball. So I didn't ask you about Michael Pittman last last segment. Um, is there anyone in that receiving core that, that you think, because the Vikings are going to give you the middle. They, they play shell. They play off coverage. I think when they play off coverage, they give up something like nine yards of play. Uh, Michael Pittman is the guy who I think everyone looked at at the beginning of the season. I play fantasy football. People who do like this guy's going to break out. I think probably largely because like you said, everyone expected Matt Ryan to be a little bit better than, than Carson Wentz. And, and he hasn't been, um, is it Michael Pittman's game or how did, who could, could step up and, and take advantage of, of this off coverage that the Vikings are, are going to play because they haven't made an adjustment to this point, And I don't expect them to make one this, this, this weekend. Michael Pittman Jr., like you mentioned, he's the number one guy for the Colts, and he is Matt Ryan's favorite target. So he's going to get you know double-digit targets, bare minimum. But I think another guy to watch is Paris Campbell because he's kind of a, a slot guy that does run a lot of crossing routes, does you know run a lot of 10-yard curls in the middle of the field. Like he's a guy who does get a big volume and bulk of his catches in the middle of the field. He's a fast burner guy, so if you're going to play off of him and kind of give him a free release, I think he'll be able to take advantage of that. So I think that's a guy to watch, especially with Michael Pittman Jr. You'd imagine getting a bulk of the attention from the defense. Right. I think, you know, Paris Campbell see a lot of one-on-one looks, and that's a guy that has played really well this year. Like, the biggest knock for him in his career has been injuries. He's stayed healthy this year, and when he's gotten the ball, he's made plays, he's gotten better. So his best game of the year came against the Raiders a few weeks ago, and the Raiders mm-hmm. so far, at least in Jeff Saturday's tenure, were the worst defense that the Colts have gone against, and that was their best offensive day to score 25 points and. That's something game like that's what we're talking about. The Colts having a great day and they score 25 points. <laughs> right. So, like, they should be able to get yards for sure. We're still talking about an inept offense overall, but that's a guy I think you got to watch and look out for is Paris Campbell because I think while MPJ would get a lot of the attention, that's a guy I think that could have a big day. And like I said, especially with off coverage in the middle of the field, that's a guy who's made his living this year uh, in those situations. How about the defense? Is there anyone that can? even try and mark Justin Jefferson. That, that, that's one thing, the Vikings, that they're going to give up a lot of yards, but they're going to produce a lot of yards on their side of the football too. I mean, you know this thing. One-on-one, the, the, one on one, the answer <laughs> no. is no. Stephon yeah. Gilmore is, is by far the best cover corner, and he's still one of the best cover corners in the NFL. It's a losing battle putting him. If you're going to just basically right. say that's an island one-on-one the entire game, like Gilmore will do okay, that's not a battle he's going to win. So that's uh, a matchup where I think the Colts have to and should double-team um, Justin Jefferson, basically every single play. So I think also to you, you're kind of seeing like outside of him, Adam Thielen's a solid receiver, but not getting the volume. Like Dalvin Cook out of the backfield is a little bit of a threat, but like there's not a lot of guys that could truly kill you. 
um, outside of, you know, Justin Jefferson the way that, you know, he can. The Colts defense, they're, part of the reason why their record isn't worse than what it is and part of the reason why they play close games every week is their defense is, you know, a top 10 defense, top five defense mm-hmm. in the NFL. They're good on all three levels. The biggest area they struggle with is getting after the quarterback consistently, um, which is definitely, you know, something that you want to see this week against Kirk Cousins. But I'm a little – that's been the one disappointing part. But in the middle, they're <laughs> really solid with DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart kind of shutting down the run. And their secondary safeties corners have all stepped up this year, linebackers as well. So it's going to be a fun matchup because this offense, like you said, is high potent and put up a lot of points, put up a lot of yards. But that is the strength of this Colts team, especially their back seven without a doubt in terms of slowing down the pass. So, But the easy answer is double team, triple team, Justin Jefferson, whenever he can. And if Adam Thielen beats you one-on-one, okay, fine, so be it. But at least don't let the best receiver or one of the best receivers in the NFL torture for another, what, 223 right he had last week? 223 in a losing effort. I've never seen anything like it. That's um, also true. Should, should have had more. He, he didn't step out of bounds on the one. Um, it wouldn't have made a difference. The Vikings don't win the game, but that's 35 extra yards. Yep. That's 250 so, and, so and a touchdown. I don't know. I don't know how you, how you bought it. I have that. no idea. Any X factors in this game, Ryan, that we haven't talked about anyone that could wreck the game plan for the for the vikings i understand i'm talking to you about a four eight and one football team so we've probably talked about all the particulars that 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 really matter this week but is there anyone that that's flown under the radar over the last month that that if vikings fans don't be careful or if the vikings don't be careful um whether it be on offense defense or special teams you know could kind of change the game Someone that has developed recently that I like watching a lot is their tight end, Jelani Woods. He is. I was hoping you'd say him. Yeah. Cause mismatch. He's just a yeah. matchup nightmare. Where he's six, seven. Like the, like, <clears throat> I don't know why the Colts have like, well, he's inexperienced. So they're slowly kind of pressing along, but the last month, really, he's been a guy that, you know, we kind of saw it on Monday night against the Steelers a few weeks ago. When you mm-hmm. get him the ball, like he catches the ball, he makes plays. And it's just like, especially in the red zone, he's their biggest threat. And the Colts, have, that's an area they struggle with all season long. They've been awful in terms of scoring touchdowns in the red zone. But at least now when you have a target like him, like, you know, his first, I think it was first three catches of his NFL career, all touchdowns, all in the red zone. Right. So now they're finally starting to, you know, that, that percentage is unreal. Should have just retired right there. Had the best touchdown percentage in NFL history. But <laughs> now you're starting to see him featured outside of just the red zone. But again, if you get down there, which, you know, we've seen this year, the Vikings have really not done a good job stopping anyone. You mm-hmm. should be able to move the ball within the 20s. Once you get down there, there has to be a guy you look at. Because, again, like you mentioned, Michael Pittman Jr. is going to get a lot of attention. We talked about Paris Campbell as well. Alec Pierce is kind of their deep ball threat one-on-one. Um, but in terms of scoring touchdowns, in terms of wrecking the game, that's the only way I think this Colts team is going to win the game is if you are getting to the red zone four times and you score bare minimum three touchdowns. Like you got to be able to convert your chances. Field goals aren't going to win this game. And playing a defensive you know, 17-14 game is not going to win this game either for the Colts. you got to get down to the red zone. Four or five times, you got to get three or four touchdowns. I think that's a guy to watch come red zone time. They've been featuring him a lot more. He's been, you know, more in the passing game, Jelani Woods, because I don't know who's stopping him. I don't know who's matching up with him. He's just a good size of speed and power and height. What's he like, 6'7, 250? It's, yeah, it's incredible. He's a basketball player on a, in a football uniform. I, I don't understand how, and, and I get it, like the NFL is more nuanced than, than just throw the ball to the tallest guy on the field. But, Antonio Gates, back when we were kids, like dominated because he basically just treated every fade route like a rebound. And and he was the one of the best tight ends in NFL history because of it. Like, how 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 do they not throw the ball to Jelani Woods more? Because the, I'll tell you what, the Vikings do not have anyone that can match up with 6'7", 250. Even if he doesn't have to jump, just throw it high. He can high point the ball. 
Um, so yeah, I, I like that call as, as the X factor because it, it just makes sense, right? Six, seven versus a five eleven corner, a six, one corner. Like it, it just doesn't, the math doesn't add up. And you saw it on Monday Night Football against the series a few weeks ago. I think he had like nine catches, I want to say, for like 90 yards. But all of them are just like they like he just he was guarded, but it was just like they're all contested catches. But like he said you throw it high, you throw it long, and his arms are long as well. Like even when you blanket him, it's still he's still open just because of his size and his just unique length. It's like it's unguardable. Like you mentioned, it's unguardable. Hopefully that he gets a lot more volume. Well, actually, not hopefully, because again, I, it's in the best interest of the Colts to lose. Right. So in order to see a Colts loss and get them closer to a top pick, maybe don't feature Jelani Woods. But if you're going to win this game, that's a guy to watch out for and give the ball a lot more than they have recently, for sure. Sure. Ryan, before I let you go, I want to ask, because we touched on it before um, in segment one, Colts, like they haven't been able to find a quarterback in the last five, six years. But to that point, Peyton Manning into Andrew Luck. What do you remember about when Andrew Luck retired? Like, because that was, we want to talk about shocking. Like Jeff Saturday's hiring, shocking. Frank Reich's firing, pretty shocking. Uh, doesn't even compare to to the day that Andrew Andrew Luck stepped down. I know ESPN just did a, did an awesome story, um, Seth Wickersham um, story on Andrew Luck, kind of explaining the ins and outs of of his decision. But like as a Colts fan, as someone who follows that team, what was that moment like when you had Andrew Luck and then all of a sudden you didn't? I think this is the only time in my life, Dan, I could say, like, I swear time felt like it stood still. Yeah. Like, I never forget, I was at home. I believe it was, they had, like, week zero college football, like Miami, Florida on. So we're watching that. All of a sudden, my sister, of all people, goes, hey, do you see the news? Andrew Luck retired. I, like, I remember seeing this on Twitter, like, five minutes ago. But I'm like, oh, that's a fake Adam Schefter account. So I remember, like, laughing at him. Like, you got fooled. Like, I think there was, like, she goes, oh, no. Like, I think it was, I forget what, what website she pointed to. So they had him. Like, oh, like, idiots. They got fooled. And I swear, for, like, the next minute, Time stood still because all of a sudden my phone went from like nothing to like all my friends, of course, being nice as you can imagine, laughing, saying, Oh, Ryan, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I can't believe this. No one was nice about it. So, of course, it's just like all of a sudden my phone's well, like, Oh my God, this is real. And then it's surreal because then all of a sudden you go to F my network, he's on the sideline. So yeah. Like, he's there. Like, that's yeah. what made it even more surreal. It's like one thing where it just like happened and, you know, that's just an off day for the culture to practice. Okay, fine. But you're seeing him on the sideline. Like, how is he? What do you mean he's retired? He's right there. He's walking off, and it was just – it was – watch the press conference. It's It took – I mean, I don't even know if days. It took, I feel like, a few weeks to have it actually settle in. Like, he is not coming back. It was – I mean, I hope nothing tops it in terms of craziness and shocking, but that was by far I think, the most shocked I've ever been in any sport, any of my teams I root for, in terms of just shocking news you couldn't believe. I don't think anyone will ever be able to shake that press conference. Cause it was just, it was so like, like you said, he was at the game and then he literally did a press conference that night. Probably wasn't super prepared for that. Like to answer all these questions, it was like really open, honest, but still like, it felt like it wasn't happening because one of the best quarterbacks in the league at the start of the day was no longer a quarterback in the NFL. I've, I've never experienced anything like it. I'm glad we can break it down now because I don't think I've really, I don't have a ton of Colts fans in my life. So it's like, I've never actually like talked back and forth with someone about how it, how it made them feel because as someone who doesn't follow the Colts or just follows the league, like it was shocking. I can't even imagine what it was like for you guys down there. And too, like obviously he had the shoulder surgery and missed the entire 2017 season. Right. So if he retired then, Okay, it's a little more understandable because like this guy missed the entire right. year. They're trying to figure out what's wrong with the shoulder. They couldn't do it. Okay, fine. 
But it's like, it's just, he came back in 2019, looked so good. Then, like, you hear about this calf strain or, like, early in the offseason. Like, I think it was, like, OTA's time. Like, oh, he's a calf strain or monitor. He, he'll be fine. And, like, it kept, and then all of a sudden, like, okay, you get the break from OTAs and you get back for training camp. It's like, well, this calf's still an issue. But it's just like, again, it's a calf strain. It's not thinking anything great. Like, right. that's the other part, too. It's like, obviously, he retired because of the culmination of the toll on his body, and that's just a calf strain. But to think, like, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, was an injury that most players deal with and a calf strain that usually is, is solved in a few weeks that for whatever reason, a few months they couldn't figure out. It's just that added to the shock as well because the injury is just not as – it's never an injury you ever hear uh, an athlete retire from. Concussions, obviously, we've seen athletes retire from. Again, the shoulder would have been, okay, fine. Right. Like, that makes sense. You couldn't figure it out. It's just to add to the shock of the the final sh- blow being a calf strain that they couldn't figure out for like three or four months in the offseason is added to just the shock of just like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, and the Colts have been searching for a quarterback ever since. So, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. We will be tuning in on Saturday, um, national television game. Guys, make sure you tune in. Um, You know, what what better way to, like, start off the Christmas break, Christmas season than than watch Vikings Colts uh, at noon on Saturday? So Couldn't agree more, Dane. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's snowing like eight inches outside right now. So, you know, at least the Vikings and the Colts will be playing inside on Saturday. So, wow. I was going to complain. It was like 25 degrees here. I thought that was bad. So you guys have us beat for sure. We have you beat. Um, We'll see if they have you beat on, on Saturday as well. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us guys. Give him a follow on Twitter. When we come back, we'll break down a couple more things, game line, prop bets, things like that. But just want to give Ryan kind of another shout out. Thanks again. Go follow him on Twitter. Listen to the podcast. He'll break everything down. Um, Thanks again, Ryan. Have a good one. Thanks for having me, guys. And I would say enjoy the game, but I know it's been a stressful season. So a close game, enjoy it. But again, at the win, all that matters at the end of the week. But thanks for having me, guys. I really do appreciate it. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. I want to give Ryan Hickey one more shout out. Um, He hosts the Blue Horseshoe podcast. Um, It's an Odyssey Brother podcast. They cover the Indianapolis Colts. And they will be breaking down Saturday, just like me and Tom Schreier will be breaking down Saturday. Um, post game after the Vikings and Colts play at noon at U.S. Bank Stadium Saturday national television. Buckle up, get the popcorn ready, can't wait. Um, but yeah, Ryan, Ryan, they do a great job over there, and, and, he, and he was awesome. Um, if you haven't listened to that full segment one and two, go ahead and do that. Um, it was good. If you like what you're hearing, give us a follow inside Purple and Gold. Um, anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts get it on the odyssey app as well um we'll be there and if you're following us you don't even have to go look for these episodes they will just arrive on your phone um easiest way to do it um just give us a follow rate us review us that helps too all right game me and ryan talked a little bit about it but the vikings minus four and a half on saturday against the colts so they're not an underdog like last week it's minus four and a half uh, you you would expect a 10 and 3 football team to be a bigger points favorite than four and a half or minus four uh you know against the the colts but they're they're minus four this weekend not minus four and a half i don't know why i said that um minus four against the colts colts are four eight and one so not a great football team coming into minnesota this weekend um but minnesota the vikings as they've proven this year they just consistently play close games so i wouldn't expect vegas to to change the line anything drastic um probably a way for them to lose money minus four for the Vikings over under is 48. I expect the Vikings to cover this weekend. Uh, I, I do expect them to come out on fire. 
Um, I expect the defense to give up a lot of yards again. I'm talking to Ed Donatel this week um, on Wednesday. We're recording this on Thursday. But talking to Ed Donatel on Wednesday, he kind of doubled down. and It's not the scheme. It, it's not playing off coverage. It's, it's the execution. Um, if that's true, if it's not smoke and mirrors, if, if he truly believes, if the defensive coordinator of the team that is allowing the most yards in the NFL believes it's not the scheme, then I do not think the scheme is going to change on Sunday or on Saturday. I, I think the Colts are going to be able to move the ball. I think 48 as an over-under is probably pretty fair. Um, but I do expect that to go over as well. Um, I just think the Vikings are going to probably be able to make a couple more plays. Um, Lions, you might not think it because the Detroit Lions name and just how kind of futile they've been throughout our lives. That's a good football team. Um, They're six and seven now. They're going to have a chance at hunting down one of the wild card spots in the FC. I don't feel the same way about the Colts. I don't think they're a very good football team. I don't think they're a very good offense um, so everything the Lions were able to do against the defense, uh, I think the Colts will will be able to do simply because the Vikings are going to continue to play off coverage. Um, but I don't think they're going to have as much success as Jared Goff and the crew did last week in Detroit. So I expect the Vikings to cover that minus four spread. I expect the over-under to go over the 48. Um, tune in Sunday to figure it all out. Vikings host the Colts at U.S. Bank Stadium noon Central Sunday, Saturday, not not Sunday, Saturday. This is it's going to throw me off. It's, it's the time of the year where the NFL takes up the whole weekend. So Saturday games, Sunday games, um, the Vikings and the Colts play on Saturday. Prop bets, purple prop party. We always give you a prop bet. We'd say this is going to hit no matter what. Hammer it. Justin Jefferson, it's become a bit. We just pretty pretty much pick him every week. Um, I think it's funny. Maybe you guys don't. I don't. I don't know. Whatever. Um, he's nine ninety three and a half receiving yards this week. That was the same line as last week against the Lions, and Justin went over ninety three and a half receiving yards in the first half. So uh, I think I picked him under last week because I, you know, in week three the, the Lions were able to limit. Justin Jefferson to, I think, 14 yards. It was the lowest output of his career. I thought that the Lions were going to be able to kind of do something similar. Um, I thought the game plan worked last time. Elements of it would work this time. Not true. Um, Like I said, Justin Jefferson went over 93 and a half receiving yards in the first half last week. Finished with 223 receiving yards for a franchise single game record. 93 and a half again this week against the Colts. Better defense than the Lions for sure. Um, but Justin Jefferson made me look silly for going under last week. So I, I got to take the over here. Um, I got to think the, the matchup's going to be pretty tough with Stephon Gilmore. Um, great cover corner, top tier in the league still, um, despite the fact that he's aging up. Um, I expect him to give Justin Jefferson some problems this weekend. Um, but at the end of the day, like Justin Jefferson wins with so much regularity, with so much consistency that even if Stefan Gilmore and, and the Colts are double teaming him, making sure the Vikings don't hit that home run ball over the top, that 50 yard bomb or, you know, the, the 45 yard, you know, crossing route from left to right. I think the volume, the sheer volume that Justin Jefferson's going to see this weekend and, and, you know, from this point forward um, is, is enough that that 93 and a half, it is a pretty easy over for him. So 
There you have it. Vikings minus four Saturday, not Sunday. Vikings minus four Saturday against the Colts. I expect that to go over the 48. I expect the Vikings to cover that spread. And I expect the Vikings star receiver, Justin Jefferson, to go over 93 and a half receiving yards. We will be back this weekend to break it all down. Still kind of figuring out whether we're going to go post game Saturday or early Sunday for the record. Um, but if you're following us, it won't matter. It'll just pop up whenever the, the episode drops. And then we can kind of discuss what maybe is the NFC North champion, Minnesota Vikings. Um, we'll find that out on Saturday. We'll see if they can get the job done until then. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Dane Musitani with Inside Purple and Gold. We'll talk to you this week. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.